0: Trust me, when you hear this, you will understand exactly what I am setting up.
1: Okay, if you say so. You don't want to give me more than that? All I will say
0: is it is Star Trek-based.
1: Okay. Why is it that my life increasingly feels like I wandered into some, not even a county fair, but like a Lions Club fish fry and there's one of those really dangerous carnival setups with the really crooked carny joints. Oh, no, 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 no. I feel no, like the sucker who keeps going back to the same softball toss.
0: Oh, no, I am, tr- no, I am giving you, I am giving you something good, trust me. At least I think it's a good setup.
1: Sometimes I wonder how do other podcasts work? Are they like reality shows the way ours is, where it's, it's like Survivor? There may be crocodiles in there, or there may be a fun joke. You'll have to splash around and find out.
0: All right, there are guys. no crocodiles, Scott.
1: <laughs> well, you whined last night just because you were starving to death. I feel like I can whine because I'm being slightly incommoded. I don't even know what I'm whining about, actually. <laughs> All right, fine. <Brian. laughs> no, trust me. I, I think
0: you'll like this. And if not, well, we can do something else. But I think All you'll right. be fine with this. All right. In three, two... One, Okay, Scott, you're ready to talk about Star Trek Prodigy.
1: (laughs) I've been waiting for so long to talk about Star Trek Prodigy. You know, I brought this up weeks ago, and I just held my peace because I wanted it to be the proper moment to really maximize the exposure, to really spread the word about this great show that I think is going to be the future of the Star Trek
0: franchise. We went through several seasons, we never changed the theme, and then we stopped recording because life got kinda mean, but I'm here to say, it's a brand new day, cause the Slumgullion has a new theme, it's the same show, just a whole lot shorter, this is the Slumgullion theme. Written for you, our loyal supporter. Jeff and Scott still talk a lot, but time they ain't got still. They'll give it a shot on The Slumgullion. Wow, 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 wow. That's right. It's The Slumgullion. Wow, 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 wow. Hold on tight for The Slumgullion. A Quinn Martin production in color.
1: You know, I hate kids. No. Not, yes. not actual human beings. Although, oh, yeah. I, Scott, you I, hate I can kids. do it. You know, I hate kids. It's just, it's a flaw, but I've learned to love it about myself. And I've also learned not to um, irritate myself, Not, not to aggravate that raw nerve by watching things that have kids in them. Because kids in entertainment are, to me, oil and water. Hell, they're magnesium and water. Psycho Gorman. Okay, you did that once. And it's a fair point. But it's your only point, so I'm going to and point it, that
0: out. It is a special case, I freely admit that. So, anyway.
1: I was not going to watch it. I wasn't going to go anywhere near it, because I just, it's all part of my like self-care you process. Like should have done with New Breed. Like I should have done with New Breed. Oh, hindsight is 2020 tragic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway so i know you weren't gonna watch it yeah when you sent me the text and you were finally gonna give it a shot i was like oh shit okay then
1: well i, I think i made a crack about it and, and you said oh, actually i like prodigy i thought hmm well you have a pretty good record you didn't recommend it you just said you liked it now i right. very often like things you like our tastes very often will overlap so i thought hmm all right what harm could it do to just watch one and i did and i thought hmm Okay, this is doing something that I kind of miss. This is doing something that I think Star Trek needs, which is it's got actual aliens without assholes on their foreheads. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, good. Thank you. I I cannot help but apply it now to every single television bit of sci-fi I see now, whether it's Star Trek or not, the old Jeff Holland paradigm of, Aliens are just regular people with assholes on their foreheads. It's true. Now I can't unsee it. It's everywhere in the canon. But with animation, they can actually make the aliens look like aliens, or at least vaguely inhuman. I mean, they're all humanoid-shaped. Well, actually, they're not. No? Actually, one sort of a gaseous, horrific-look-at-at-once monster, but, you know... <laughs> In a fun way. One's still pretty humanoid-shaped, but also gelatinous. But the rest of them have, you know, more interesting assholes on different parts of their bodies. Not just the forehead or the ass. It's beautifully animated. When I first heard Star Trek animated show, I thought, Star Trek the animated series. Right. Which no one has ever said was beautifully animated. Except Stevie Wonder. And that's only because I lied to him. (laughs) you know i'm not i'm not a voyager fan but it was nice to hear janeway again okay so now how far did you get did you watch the whole thing i did not watch the whole thing because when i had my nine day migraine right i binged it off and on and it was a welcome distraction but when the pain finally lifted i had a lot of stuff to do so i switched it off did my chores and uh didn't think about getting back to it until Maybe it was too late. Did you at least see the body swap episode? Who swapped bodies?
0: Admiral Janeway and I can't think of our, our, main, our main kid.
1: Oh, uh, Doll.
0: Yeah, Janeway and Doll switch bodies.
1: Okay, no, I did not see that. Now I'm going <laughs> to have to keep watching before they pull it unless they pulled it already.
0: Um, it might be gone. We'll get to that in a second. Trust me. I said I, I may be still there, but I honestly don't know. I think some people said it's already gone. But yeah. And let me tell you something. Kate Mulgrew's vocal performance as doll is fucking incredible and Dahl is doing Janeway. Oh,
1: crap. All right. Now we got to find it.
0: They are perfect. Now, however, I will warn you, and this was something, especially after watching um, Picard season three, the end plot line, the end game of the of the season of Prodigy is very similar to Picard season three to the point where you'll kind of go after you watch this. My God, is there any internal talking between the two shows?
1: Uh, I can answer that. There's not. Well, no, it's pretty obvious. (laughs) This is typical with an animated product because it's usually made overseas. So you've got people in the office in L.A., but you've got other people actually making the product. I guess they have Zoom calls now. Back when I started working in animation in 2003, you know, it was all just audio calls. And we'd be talking to grouchy, tired Koreans who were up at a weird time to accommodate our schedule. So as a result, because it was so tiresome to try to connect, we didn't do it that often. And there, I can see there's a lot of things that would fall through the cracks in that kind of system, especially when you've got Prodigy, which was made off the reservation by, right. what was it, Nickelodeon, I think? Yes. And I can't even remember who owns every single, every single flavor of cable network anymore.
0: But yeah. one of the things that they set up for the season two that they will never get is they set up the search for Chakotay.
1: I saw there were elements of that even up to what I had seen
0: it continues they were like they were really going whole hot look like season two that was what the ball well least a chunk of what season two would have been about even though technically we're still supposed to get it they say they're shopping it around but we'll see how that goes
1: yeah it could show up you know a tsunami or it could show up, who knows where it could show up, or it's going to get torrented if they're taking a uh, tax write down on it they don't really give a shit. I have a feeling
0: that's what they're doing because, I mean, come on. Paramount Plus is the home of every single Star Trek show, and they're going to let this one go to another n- network. That's not, no, it's a tax write off.
1: Yeah. I don't think they're shopping it very hard. Um, no. The more money they're out, the better the tax write off is. So.
0: If we, if it comes back, if it gets saved, I will be thrilled. Don't get me wrong; I will jump up and down because I'd love to see more of this show. But I sincerely doubt it's going to happen because I think they zaslugged it.
1: <laughs> without without being under Zaslav's uh, jurisdiction, <laughs> to be Zazlogged is officially a verb. Well, exactly, as Calvin said in Calvin Hobbes, I like verbing words; it weirds them. I saw a ready room episode with Jerry Ryan and Terry Metalis, and they were talking about somebody who came in and gave a, a really terrific, eye-catching performance in one episode, even just a handful of scenes. I cannot remember who they were talking about, but Will Wheaton said, "Oh yeah, he totally stashed with that scene." Nice. That's exactly how Jerry Ryan and, and uh, Terry Metalis. <laughs> They were, like, basically cheering that locution. Go, yes, yes, exactly. And, and Louis says, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? And and Metallus just sighed, goes, he stole it like a thief in the night. Yep. That is Todd Stashwick.
0: <laughs> and I got to say, it's weird. As I was watching Prodigy and more of the Voyager stuff was coming in, mm-hmm. as much as I really didn't care about Voyager, I was genuinely excited to see where these people were now in animation like this whole this whole search for Chakotay thing. I'm like, okay, I'm on board for this. Let's see what the fuck's going on with him.
1: I'm on board with it. And had they not told this weird cancellation, I would have happily watched it. But I really honestly don't give a crap about Chakotay. I never did. I I, I frankly think Roberto Beltran peaked in uh, Eating Raoul. I don't think he's ever equaled that performance. I I won't argue that with you.
0: As a matter of fact, it was funny. I rewatched the film recently just for shits and giggles. I was on a classics train, and I had completely forgotten that he was in the film until I had a rewatch. <laughs> Oh, they're in No! Yeah, and I'm like, holy fuck, he's
1: genuinely great in this movie. He was the first time I ever saw him, first time a lot of people had seen him. There was a huge amount of talk about it, but, you know, of course he was a Latino with leading man looks in the 80s where the opportunities were are not all that. Right. So, you know, but he lucked out into a good continuing series job. Although he doesn't seem like one of those people who into the fandom all that much i don't I mean, you I, never hear about him at cons
0: yeah i was gonna say i've not heard anything overly positive <laughs> about him nothing really negative but nothing overly overly positive but all i'm gonna say is it's a damn shame they zazzlob the show i'd like to see it rescued but good luck the fans yeah. were petitioning for it good luck but i think this is a tax write-off and i think it's gone I really, really do. But on a slightly happier animation note, and this is also something I think you are excited about, Babylon 5 is back. Yes. Holy fuck. We we have a Babylon 5 animated movie. It's done. It's in the can. It's coming out this summer. It involves time travel, parallel dimensions, and Zathras, all the usual cool Babylon 5 stuff. Straczynski wrote it. I believe everyone who's alive, is back. Mm. I'm pretty sure they got everyone who's alive is back. And I have to say Well,
1: I mean, Bruce Boxleiter appears in a in a continuing role under really uncomfortable looking heavy blue makeup on the orbital. So right. clearly he's not a hard get. <laughs>
0: but just the fact I, I i and i have to admit when when i heard about this i was like okay this is the best way to do it like i said I, it'll make the recasting go easier oh absolutely just about watching it on animation i think it'll make the recasting easier to stomach than seeing actors live actors playing the roles if that makes sense
1: yes i don't think i could ever and i hate being like this because it's a childish attitude i mean I have gone happily to see the same play, Shakespeare, contemporary, whatever it is, a part played by a different actor in each production. I don't have a problem with that. I don't know why I have a problem with them recasting TV series. But I just don't feel like really almost anyone I would accept, but I don't think they could find a suitable replacement for Delance.
0: The one for me, I I do agree with you on that, but the one that's the sticking point for me, and this is the one why I'm glad it's animation because it
1: would be much easier for me to accept just the voice is Jakar. Mm. Well, Jakar was basically just a voice. I mean, he was completely hidden under that makeup to the point where it pissed him the fuck off. Oh, I
0: I, I know, I know, but there's what Andreas Katsulas did with his voice then.
1: Yeah, I. It's, it's, it's funny because with Delenn, I think about her expressions. I think about because she had that immobile makeup early on. Yes. She really she learned to convey a lot with her eyes. And yes, she, she continued doing that throughout the series. Not overblown silent film side eye acting. But I mean, she just her soul burned from her eyes and she conveyed my, so much. My absolute favorite
0: moment in the five years of Babylon 5 is Delenn is a Delens speech, and I am going to fuck this up. I am sorry, Mr. Straczynski, but uh, the basic is only one man has survived a battle with the Mimbari fleet. He is behind me. You are in front of me.
1: If you value your lives, be elsewhere.
0: Yes, yes. That, I remember watching, when that aired the first time, when that, I I literally cheered. <laughs> That scene made me so fucking
1: happy. Yeah, I don't think you were alone in that. It, it is the classic Dylan moment. And again, it's, it's why I say it's two separate problems with uh, Andreas Gatzelis. Replacing his voice is going to prove impossible. You can get somebody else with a similar resonance, but you I don't think you're ever going to get anyone who's going to capture the character the way he did. So when you listen to it, it's always going to be off. I think they can get someone who can do a reasonable effect similarly to Dylan's voice, but I'm glad we're not seeing an actress put on that makeup and try to carry on in her shoes so that that's exciting and again animation has reached a point now that it is left behind the limitations that we're used to thinking of
0: and he has said that if this does well Mm -hmm. Warner Brothers has already talked him about more. More animated shows? Yes. A continuation of the
1: original Babylon 5 in animation. I would be fine with that. Warner Animation does some decent stuff. And you know, (laughs) Babylon 5 was always about pushing the frontiers of the technology. I mean, it it had extensive CGI at a time when it really shouldn't have. And uh, (laughs) I mean, you go back and watch the original effects now. And it's like, well, I, I enjoy this in a computer game. But you completely overlooked it in the series because it was so new. I think it killed its rewatchability to a certain extent. But at the time, it was like when I saw Tron. Okay, this is terrible, but I'm here for it. Or Last Starfighter. I I recently rewatched Last Starfighter. Fun, terrific movie, excellent characters. uh, Horrible effects. Horrible effects. Effects are unbelievably rudimentary and bad. And yet it has two amazing
0: performances from Robert Preston. And oh my
1: God, I can't, Dan O'Hurley. Dan O'Hurley is great as, yes, as probably the only ebullient lizard man in movie history.
0: And it blows my mind that that is the same guy who played Connell Cochran in Halloween 3. Which I know, be, being an actor, I get it. Just it does. It makes me giggle every every time I watch Last Starfighter. I I want to see. I want to hear Grig go Happy Halloween. Or I'll watch Halloween three. I'll see Cochran with a lizard mask on. And it just makes me laugh.
1: Actually, what it reminds me of is his sinister hypnotist in Invasion USA. Oh shit! There's a flashback. Yeah where he swirls his brandy around in a snifter and everybody watches him and his eyes are so mesmerizing. And then we get to watch a crappy Cold War B picture about the Ruskies taking over and it's all a dream. But anyway, yeah, he was kind of sinister in that. And then then he's this giggly Sarian. The man had rage.
0: That was was just such a such a great movie i remember seeing that at the drive and that was another one that my mom took me to
1: that like, would be a good one for the driving because the further you are from the screen the better the effects are going to look
0: <laughs> yeah because i remember when i saw it we really really liked the special effects mm-hmm. but then when we saw it on vhs we really 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 liked the characters <laughs>
1: Yes, exactly. And that was my reaction to the recent rewatch. Oh, this is charming. And Mary Catherine Seward. I forgot how much I liked her. Last guess, he's really nailing this. He's likable. He's very identifiable. I don't completely hate the horny, obnoxious little brother. I just dislike him intensely. It's a fun wish fulfillment. This poor kid living in some desert trailer park. Big dreams, continually snuffed out. The only spark of glory in his life is his aptitude for the one the one arcade cabinet video game that they have. It really is engrossing until you get to the special effects. And then it's like, okay, well that th- this too shall pass. Let me just wait. <laughs> Let me just wait out the action and then I can get back to the fun stuff. Yeah. It's funny that Robert Preston got a call saying, Hey, we're doing a science fiction movie. Well, that's not really my thing. Right. We want you to play a gross alien version of Harold Hill from The Music Man. Sign me up.
0: <laughs> I actually you know what now that I'm thinking about it, holy shit I am having a massive flashback right now Scott thank you for this it was actually the last starfighter that got me to watch the music man yeah <laughs> <laughs> I had not seen the music man before that and I I remember watching Siskel and Ebert's review for the movie and them mentioning, you know, Robert Preston's star of The Music Man in the review, and I saw and I loved him. And I don't remember if it was on TV or if I rented the VHS, or even if there were VHSs at that point. All I know is at some point after that, I went on a search for The Music Man.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
0: no real point of that story. I was just saying, that's just... <laughs>
1: Those are the best stories. Let's move on. Actually, let's stay exactly where we are, because we're talking about Warner Brothers animation, and I saw something last night that I enjoyed probably more than I expected to, which was my adventures with Superman. Oh, Did
0: you catch that? oh, no, I have not, but I will tell you what. We'll do a brief discussion of that, because I have questions, and then we will do a brief discussion of Dial of Destiny. All right, very good. Okay, my my dinner with Superman. What'd you
1: think? <laughs> How is Wallace Shawn? I would love to see that movie remade and just swap (laughs) out Andre Gregory for Superman, but keep Wallace Shawn. I'd be more invested in it. But anyway, my adventures with Superman. First of all, the title poses a question. Whose point of view are we talking about here? Who's who's me? Who's having the adventures with Superman? Well, I think the person having the adventures with Superman is Superman. Because when the show starts, uh, he doesn't exist yet. That's actually a name that Lois makes up, and that comes later. When we first meet him, Clark is Clark Kent, kid who grew up in the heartland from infancy, and literally a kid. He, Jimmy, and Lois are all interns at the Daily Planet. They didn't even really work there. He has just arrived in town, fresh from the cornfield. There are a lot of flashbacks to his younger days growing up in Smallville. So Superman is not a thing. It's just Clark Kent. He's just this nervous, nerdy guy, Naive to a fault, who has really one overriding obsession. He just wants to fit in. He wanted to fit in growing up. He was very focused on being a normal kid. When we first see him in Metropolis, walking to work, he's chanting to himself, just a normal man having a normal day. In between that, he has to save a cat. He has to do a few of the little minor super things, but basically he's focused on the normal. So he's a double fish out of water. One, he's an alien trying to pass as a human. And two, he's this, to borrow a phrase from MSD, this corn shucking cracker from the Midwest. And he wants to fit in with these hard-charging big town sophisticates. So through his adventures with Superman, we see him unlocking his powers, discovering them, discovering more about himself. So I think it's actually Superman's Voyage of self discovery, but he is, if I'm reading social media correctly, he is apparently a baby girl and a himbo. Oh,
0: God. <laughs> okay. I have not read anything about it because like I ignore I've been ignoring the social media's more or less completely as of late. So that makes me laugh.
1: <laughs> OK, yeah. so it's yes, it's done in an anime style. That's <laughs> like a Sailor Moon magical girl suit up scene. Yes. All right. I do know what that is. It, it makes sense in context. It all makes sense in context. It's actually very charming. It's a different approach. But somebody pointed out it's not Superman putting on the Clark Kent disguise to fool people into thinking, well, clearly he can't be this man god. No, he's he's an actual, legitimate, absolute dork from Kansas trying to fit into the big city, trying not to come off as a Hacy. That's his big fear. The, the powers would just make him stand up, tries desperately to hide that. But of course, there's more opportunities to help people in the city. So it's interesting pressure. But he and Lois meet the first day, and it, they're very hormonal because they're so young, which is interesting. I prefer a Clark and a Lois who are down to fuck than (laughs) I do, ones who were always playing games with each other. Go back to Silver Age, Superman and Lois, they were awful to each other.
0: Oh my god, Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane is one of the most hysterical but disturbing comics I have ever read. Seriously, random tangent, you want to learn about the absolute insanity of the Silver Age, just find Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane or Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Oh my god, you're lose your mind okay continue
1: those were both well covered on on the late lamented website superdickery.com
0: yes no longer thing. is it is it officially gone
1: it's officially gone it's moved on to the uh, internet archive which is sad because because recently i i posted a review of man of steel on better living through bad movies Substack and and i was talking about how superman is not just a dick in man of steel he has a long dick pedigree So I went to Super Dickery to see if I could find some classics of the genre, and it was gone. But there were so many examples. Yep. Superman just psychologically tormenting Jimmy Olsen. Every cover is him pulling some shit with this poor kid who just wants to be Superman's pal, and Superman leverages his pathetic need in order to be a dick. And he is doing the same thing with Lois, but Lois is doing the same thing with him. She's always trying to discover secret identities, screw up his relationships with other people. They were just the thing
0: about Lois, though, is way, way, way back in I, I, whatever the first age was, the Golden Age, whatever the first age Mm -hmm. was, she was much more about actually being a reporter. It was during the Silver Age when she became only about I must marry Superman. There is a like the Lois Lane from the 30s is very different from the Lois Lane from like the 50s and.
1: You are absolutely right. If I'm not mistaken about this, Lois Lane was actually created for the Superman radio series, which was a daily 15 minute radio show. The character was created by an actress named Joan Alexander, who also played Lois in the Fleischer Brothers Superman cartoons, which I happen to think is some of the best Superman content ever provided you can get past the wartime racism
0: if you haven't seen them they are readily available max fleischer superman cartoons hunt them down watch them you will be happy even if you don't like even if you're not a big superman fan these are just great cartoons
1: they are and and in the first episode of my adventures with superman he has to deal with these very cool looking military robots hunter killer droids and they are very reminiscent of the robot's that I think robbed banks or something in the second Superman Fleischer cartoon, The Mechanical Monsters, which came out in 1941, I think. And the Fleischer cartoons have just been released on Blu-ray. So for years, they were available in crappy public domain VHS copies. I've gone through several myself. So when and if I can, I'm definitely going to get the Blu-ray. But this has some of that same feel. And Lois has very much returned to her roots because She is the driving force in these little three intern team of getting the story, finding out what's going on, beating the bushes. So that's one thing I like, because yes. I loathe Silver Age Lois in particular, but comic book Lois in general leaves me cold. However, she comes off much better, in my opinion, in animation from the very beginning to this most recent incarnation. I like Dana Delaney's version, especially when she flips off Brainiac. Um, Oh, by the way, we're going to get a Slumgullion YouTube channel going. But right now, on my channel, you can just search for Scott Clevenger, or on our website, theslumgullion.com, I have a supercut that I edited from the Fleischer cartoons. Two minutes and 48 seconds of Lois Lane being 31 flavors of awesome. So, check that out.
0: Uh, I actually am going to check out um, my dinner with Superman because it is available on either Max or Hulu the day after the episodes there. I'm not sure which one. So I do want to see it. I'm glad that you like it. That is actually good to know. So uh, other things. So I saw Dial of Destiny. On purpose? Uh, Yes, I did, actually. Yes. Yes, I did. Because the the. Discourse around it was Expectedly so
1: Polarizing
0: I honestly Figured I would either love it or hate it
1: Okay well now I'm on Tetherhooks which was it Neither me. I knew you were
0: gonna say that And <laughs> genuinely depresses Me more than you can Imagine Scott I'm not angry at this movie I'm just sad <laughs> Okay oh. Can I rant for a second
1: Please
0: do. All right. All right. So uh, James Mangold is, I think he's a good director. All right. I I absolutely loved Logan, but, about maybe in the hour three of this movie, I realized that he basically is fucking remaking Logan with
1: Indiana Jones.
0: I mean, in its basic themes, okay, obviously the plots are completely different, but you know what I mean, Scott.
1: He can't get out of geriatric sundown gear.
0: And what gets me is, now now that's one thing, the fact that what, during the movie I was like, okay, this is Logan, I'm this is the exact same relationship, basically, ignoring that. That. Then there is the whole, oops, the, believe it or not, the CG, the, the de-aging stuff, I didn't mind. The whole opening sequence is the most Raiders of the Lost Ark the film is. Mm. And it worked, except for, oh, God, how spoiler are you? Well, you know me.
1: I don't care about spoilers.
0: Okay, this is mild spoiler. This is not plot oriented, but this is still a mild spoiler. So if you want, you can skip the rest of this conversation, I guess. In the 20 minute or to an hour beginning, we find out that Indy has a new best friend.
1: (laughs) Is it Toby Jones? Yes. Because Dan Homeliad's so- sadly dead in there. Yeah. No amount of CGI de aging is going to help Dan Elliot give a convincing performance at this point. At this point,
0: that is very true. And it is so obvious this character should have been Marcus Brody.
1: Yeah. You're not spoiling anything because I got this from the goddamn trailer. I okay. said, okay, she's the daughter of a friend. I immediately thought Marcus. Then it's like Toby Jones. Oh, okay, they subbed in another friend due to mortality. Why not recast? Because it, either one is, is going to damage your suspension of disbelief, your immersibility, perhaps. But it's less annoying than saying, no, 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 can you please care about this totally made-up character? We're only going to give a good few seconds to you. It
0: genuinely, like that whole thing, it kind of just ruined a chunk of the film for me because I didn't care.
1: Not caring for you is fatal.
0: I don't know who you are. You are obviously supposed to be Marcus Brody. This is just bad. No, just, 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 no. Now, I will say, I don't know, the Phoebe Walker, what's her name? Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, okay. I liked her. I have no problem with her. There's discourse back and forth. Oh, she's an obnoxious bitch. That woke, blah, 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 this, blah, 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 that. And yeah, she is obnoxious, but that's kind of the point. Again, this ties into me thinking that James uh, Mangold is remaking Logan because she's wild beginning and he helps bring her to normal, if you know what I mean. Not normal, but you know what I
1: mean. You know what, it's funny, there's some directors, I mean, I hate going to a film by a director whose previous work I've liked and realizing that I'm watching a warmed over version of the last film or the last film before that, or maybe the last five films, except unless it's a director who does one thing and does it well and that's what I go to him for, like Hitchcock. I don't get mad if a Hitchcock film reminds me of another one. Preston Sturgis, doesn't bother me at all. The Marx Brothers, same thing. But if it's a director, not been given an auteur crown yet, it makes it easy when they repeat themselves. Same thing with writers. My worst nightmare is discovering that I've written something that seems like it's something else I wrote, which sometimes you can't. In fact, we talked about this with Larry Yeah. And he said that he continued writing Western horror stories even after he finished both versions of Tales of the Caliban Mountains because you're in that headspace. You, you've gotten used to thinking in certain terms and you just don't stop. And I always felt that that's probably like actors who bring a bit of a role home with them and find it hard to kind of just shut it off. I used to think that was complete bullshit, but it happens to writers, so maybe it does happen to actors. I don't know. Did you ever have trouble getting rid of a character that you'd really immersed yourself in? Absolutely not. And I played the rape. I did extremities.
0: (laughs) Well, I could see why you wouldn't want to carry that one on. Again, I this is oh god! What always gets me in trouble with method actors? As I always say, all acting is is lying. You're just using somebody else's words to lie, and you once the lie is done, you can get over. It. I don't understand it. I I've never understood that getting upset. Obs- I don't get it. That's just me, and I mean, it would be one thing, it would be one thing if I was told I was a bad actor, but I've never, I've only gotten one bad review in my entire career, Mm -hmm. and I also got a good review for
1: the exact same play. So, I mean, I'm not going to bitch too much. (laughs) All right, well, this makes me feel better because I've always um, been very uncomfortable around method actors and found them annoying. But I thought that's just because I'm uncomfortable around people, and method actors are just people being somebody else, which is doubly annoying.
0: What's even worse than method actors in movies is method actors in theater. They are even more pretentious, and they're not getting paid, and that's what makes them even more, more, oh, no, oh. Okay, that's it. We're done before I get on my high, high horse. Play the end theme. It's a new ending theme. It's a new ending theme. Scott and I gotta go and record a new show because content makes you all cream.